but I'm talking with PIV sex. I wanted to, I wanted to go experience some dick around the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can't lie. Yeah. So that's what I did. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah, the podcast where we say fuck yeah to plant medicine. I am your co-host, Sarah, and I am joined by my dynamic friend and co-host, Robin. Robin, how are you? You know, Sarah, I'm doing really good. Like, I'm better than I've been in a long time. Wow. I'm so curious maybe your fuck yeah will give some insight into this like what are the things that are crystallizing what's giving you a fuck yeah right now i have a big fuck yeah i mean especially you know we had our thanksgiving episode that in a way was kind of heavy thanksgiving's mm-hmm. a heavy holiday with yeah. e- even physically with the food but also the weight of family the weight of our tragic harmful history And I was really kind of worried about going into that situation. And we do record these, obviously, earlier. We didn't record it on Thanksgiving. And since the time we recorded, I had a sea change where I decided I was done with weed and alcohol, at least for now. I am on my fifth day of being completely sober not California sober, (laughs) straight up sober. I mean, I have my coffee and I have, that's the first time I've ever said that in my life, that I'm sober and I feel really good about it. I have not had any qualms. Weirdly, I haven't had one moment where I felt like having a drink or smoking And there's a lot of reasons why the sea change came. I mean, it's like been a long time coming. I know I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast, my relationship with weed being unhealthy. And I just decided for my kids, for myself, I I hit a wall and I couldn't go any further. And so I was sober for about three or four days and it was going well. And then I was like, shit. Thanksgiving's coming up. It might be emotionally difficult. I have never in my adult life done Thanksgiving without having drinks, at least. I knew there was going to be people there that I usually smoke and drink with. I showed up to this Thanksgiving. The people that I normally smoke and drink with, they were both sober. Oh, wow. Pray for the universe to reflect choice back to you reinforce it yes they were so happy that I was sober too so congratulatory and into it they had been more you know had a couple months under their belts I had a fantastic mocktail a couple of them and I also had it was one of my favorite it was one of the best Thanksgivings I had such a good time I realized in the middle of it oh my hangups with this side of my family are my mom's hangups. I was carrying her baggage. They're not perfect people, but I don't need to carry her weight with her 
relationships with them anymore. And I just, I had a wonderful time. And there was a moment where we were just talking and laughing and I felt high in that moment. Mm. I was buzzed and I was like, oh, I just didn't know how, you know, I'm really early into this and who knows, one day at a time and all that stuff. Maybe next time we record, I'm going to be like, "Ah, I'm stoned right now. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But I, I am really feeling good about this journey. I'm feeling good about, I felt so heartwarmed at Thanksgiving that I have more family than I thought. Mm. I connected with one of my aunts who is three years younger than me, which is how my family rolls. (laughs) We went on camping trips together. She was showing me all of these trips that we did like when we're little tiny kids in the 80s and stuff. And I had not seen her in 16 years. I had not met her kids. She had not met my kids. And she's comes from a very religious side of the family and is still part of the church and everything. But so I always feel a little bit nervous that I'm going to get rejected. Mm -hmm. I realize that I've been rejecting them because of my mother's feelings about that side of the family and all the stuff. But they were so warm and welcoming in it. And I have such a huge desire to see them again. And I really feel like I have more family now than I did last time we recorded. So that's beautiful. Oh, and then my my uncle, who is the Trump supporter that I was worried about, I actually had a lot of compassion for him because I forgot how all of the rest of the family is extremely liberal. And there was moments where we were having a discussion at the table that was he was just sitting there quietly, slightly smiling, but very, you could tell he's a little uncomfortable and he was choosing not to get involved. And I could feel him being so outnumbered. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't know, Sarah, like all, a lot of the stuff I was worried about, it just wasn't even there. It was great. That is such good news. Congratulations. Yeah. On all fronts, I'm really excited to hear where this journey takes you. And I think that no matter what we choose to do in terms of consumption in our life, whatever, as long as we're doing it with intentionality and it seems like the reset is going to be really good for you. And I'm so glad that the family event was positive because, you know, obviously that could be a real trigger to <laughs> test your yeah. your will. And so that's really fantastic. And I think also just shedding some of the inheritance, like wherever it shows yes. up. Sometimes you just got to really like the ways in which we carry our familial stories and patterns you know, shapes who we are, but sometimes it's not serving us anymore. And so it's just like, I mean, congrats, Robin. It just sounds like Thank all you. of the work that you're doing on yourself is really reaping benefits for you. It feels really good. I feel fresh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fresh. interesting that with this episode, this interview that we recorded a, a while ago is very much about mm-hmm. substances. So it'll be interesting, you know, to kind of reflect. 
how you feel about our conversation that we're about to jump into once the interview is over, because we have on the show today, April Lambert, and we've known April for a long time. I think listeners might know April from her podcast that she hosts with Amy Baldwin called Shameless Sex. It's a huge sex podcast, and they are so much fun. And I love yeah, that. and April's also the with Hot Octopus. We know her from the pleasure products industry, and I've worked with her a lot over the years. And kind of met April as a party girl, <laughs> and she's got a lot of party left in her. But it's really like morphed and changed over the years. She's such a force. She's an unforgettable person. Every time we met up. Uh, she made work a lot of fun. I loved going to the shows, seeing April, going out with April. Such a positive, bombastic person. Yes, she's an absolute blast. And she's also got this really light energy that is uh, contagious. Like she's just, she's got a positivity, like she's on her life path. Like you really feel that when you're in her presence, that she has such a confidence and a brightness to share because she's just she's on her path and so we talked to her about how plant medicine has had a lot to do with that i can't wait to get into it yeah let's dive in april what's up april hello thank you for joining us April, you know, first, I would like to really talk about who you are and what you're doing right now. I mean, we have a little bit of this back history, but you're one of the co-hosts of Shameless Sex. It was started as a passion project because the industry, the pleasure product industry, is where I've devoted my life to, and that takes up a lot of space and time. So Amy and I, again, we've worked together. We actually were waitresses together back in the day in Santa Cruz, where I still live. And she was going to school for human sexuality and psychology. And then I had already graduated with this bachelor's of science in environmental law and was studying for the LSATs. And then she told me she was opening this sex shop. And I said, and she, that she wanted me to work there. And I'm like, I've never worked in retail. I'm really good at shopping, but I've never worked in retail. She, she, her and I would always have so much fun waitressing together, but I didn't want to be a server my whole life. I knew that there was something out there for me. And I always wanted to change yeah. the world and make it a better place telling my mom that since I was a kid and when Amy opened this sex shop I said okay I'll give it a go I never even had a vibrator she gave me my very first what was vibrator it? which actually was a lay nice. spot from serendipitous. that was it was pink on pink it was like right, light the pink, pink on pink, on mm-hmm. pink. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like fuchsia yes mm-hmm. and that was my very first experience and then I started working in the sex shop and found myself really I love talking to people and I I love learning about people and listening to their stories in general. Not before it wasn't about sex ever. That was not what I really shared. And I do have a very shameless approach to life. I always kind of have. I I care about people, but a lot of times I don't care about what people think so much, at least not at the time. So I sort of have always been a maybe a, a little bit extroverted and which is nice, but Amy thought I'd be good at selling sex toys. I ended up Turns loving it. Turns out to be very I ended true. Up getting a job at the fun factory. Yeah, and I and I do, and I still love it. Now I work with Hot Octopus, but 
when I took the job with Hot Octopus, I was working remotely and I was able to move back to Santa Cruz. And Amy and I, we'd always talked about a collaboration together because we've mm. worked so well together. We both trust each other so fully. And we knew it would probably be in the realm of sexuality somehow. We toyed around with a lot of different ideas. And then we went on Emily Morris's podcast when it was 2017. I was newly divorced mm -hmm. and went on a full-blown global sex capade where I was like, mm -hmm. because my ex now ex-husband had been, I think, the fourth person I'd ever slept with. Mm -hmm. And I was in my 30s, penis owner, by the way. I'd slept with a couple of vulva owners, but I'm talking with PIV sex. I wanted it. I wanted to go experience some dick around the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can't lie. Yeah. So that's Naturally. what I did. And I was, so I went on sex with Emily, sex with Emily's podcast with Amy because she did a, the somatica training mm -hmm. uh, with her. And she, Emily asked Amy to come on the show. And Amy said, sure, I will, but you should have my friend April on. And Emily's like, oh, I know April. Sure. Cause I, we had worked with her at Fun Factory. Mm -hmm. So I went on the show and I said, Amy, why am I going to go on this podcast? I don't even wait. Wh I'm not even someone. Wh what am I going to fucking talk about? She's like, April, just be yourself. I was like, fine, I'll give it to them full on. So I did. I talked about this Scottish guy I was banging out in Thailand and he was like freedom because it felt like where he was just like had a Prince Albert piercing and and I had all I just had lots of funny stories and it ended up being her most one of her most listened to shows of that year. Uh, sex with Emily. That's great. Uh, and Not she has surprising. a lot of podcasts. And it was called because it was called Orgasm Squirting in the Year of Anal Licking. Because I had all of these people licking my anus <laughs> that year. Hopefully, this is not off limits for this show. What a title. It was something new for me. So then Amy and I decided to branch out on a passion project and we started Shameless Sex. We decided that we would give it a go, record five episodes, and without an intention of really wanting to make make big bucks it was a passion project we were like it'll be fine and so we already after the fifth episode launched we had really wonderful feedback and people really enjoyed it so then we stopped talking just between her and I about our sexual ex escapades all over sex escapades all over the world uh, and started interviewing guests and took it to a level where we really wanted to help people with the tools that are available in the world, uh, even if they're not the tools that have helped us. Right. Uh, so they have access to lots of information about having the sex that they either deserve to have, always wanted to have consensually, of course. Now it's the fifth year we are approaching. Actually, we may at the end of May 2017 is when we launched our first episode or mm. aired our first episode. And it has changed my life in a way that I never thought possible and in a way that I am so grateful for. I have so much just gratitude for all of the listeners, for all of the support we receive, for how, how much people reveal how it's changed their lives. And it's really just giving them permission mm -hmm. is what I found. Mm -hmm. And now we, we are writing a book. We got a, a, an actual book deal this last Amazing. January. So that is in the process. I don't have a lot to share about that because it's still being written. And from there, we actually have, we're talking to some screenwriters about some other uh, things. So it's really expanded, which I am so excited about. And now podcasting is, I, in my opinion, and the last piece to this story is, is the, la the, the last form of free speech mm. because mm. You, you, of course, can belong to networks, but it is 
anything that you want to find or listen to, you can do it freely with podcasting. And I, I value that tool as a form of media. And obviously books are as well, but podcasting is, it's digital. So it's, it's free for yeah. the most part. There's very little like oversight about it. So you can talk about you want, what you want in all of these subjects that are so taboo that it is uh, permission giving as well. Yeah, And there's so much censorship happening mm. everywhere that I think it's a place where people can still find the information, even if you don't kind of know the nuances of the ways in which content is being censored. Like if you are someone that listens to podcasts, suddenly you have access to all of this really interesting material and perspectives and all of that. And so, I mean, I'm really excited to dive in because there is a very specific perspective that I want to get from you, mm. but we got to put you through our rapid fire. Rapid fire. You ready? Because they're really, they're juicy. I like them. Yeah. Taking a deep breath, breathing into my, yeah. my, <laughs> get my ready. You're going to do great. Spaces. Don't worry. I'm going to ease you into it. I'm going to warm okay. you up. All right. Okay. Um, what's the last podcast you listened to? I listened to this podcast today called Lost Hills. It's about a father that perhaps murdered his, uh, I'm obsessed with crime. Of course. Uh, his, oh. In 1981, yes. he perhaps murdered, he's been in prison since 81. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, but he, there, his wife and stepson accidentally drowned. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was like the fifth accidental death he was connected to in a short period of time. And uh, that's, that's, yes, it's uh, Lost Hills. Is that your favorite true crime podcast? No. What's I, your favorite? So I, I really, over the years, I, I started listening to The Staircase before podcasts right. were a thing. Uh -huh. Back in the day, it was called something else. I don't even know what it was called, but it was, I had to pay for each episode. <laughs> and I think it was on my computer. It's probably still on my computer somewhere. I listened to that and I loved that. So I, I, I really enjoy when there's not hosts where they're, they're deciphering what's happening in a, in a, in a crime mm -hmm. because I get annoyed with the, the voices of people being like, Oh, and I don't know about this. And yeah. So I, I enjoy when it's interviews with the people. Uh, and okay. so there's a lot of various ones over a serial. I loved that one right now, the lost Hills things, but I really go into, I listen to Dr. Death. Oh, that one fuck. gave me visceral reactions. Like when uh. they are describing the things that they found, in spinal cord. Oh my god. And then they had the cancer one. The oh, the guy that was giving people that. chemo and oh. so uh, where where they didn't even need it and telling them they had cancer and he was making millions of dollars. It's season 2. Oh my so gosh. Those There's are, a yes, podcast called The it. Opportunist which is about people who turn evil just presented with opportunity and there's one series on that podcast about someone who was a pharmacist who was fucking with people's chemo medication. And so they thought they were getting key. And it's, yeah. you just go, how is this even possible? Yeah. Okay. Well, it I'm is excited. possible. You just yeah. have to, don't always take the, that, that is something I tell my mother still, don't take the first opinion you get, especially in Western medicine and go and get a third or fourth or yeah. fifth opinion because doctors, they're also looking for some job security. Okay. Unfortunately, right, there's good right. ones out there, but. There's always corruption. So sorry to break it. There to you is. <laughs> okay. Hey girl, what's the last, last photo on your phone? Do I, can I look or no? Sure. sure. Look. Okay. Probably my dog because I'm obsessed. Oh no. It's my, my schedule for X biz and uh, 
Oh, <laughs> oh screenshot. And then it's my dog. Okay. Now Those are your two loves. <laughs> Who was your first celebrity crush? Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> oh, say more about that. I love that. Lead singer of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. I'm actually going to see them. For the first time, I've had tickets before, but my 40th birthday is approaching July 16th, and my bestie slash business partner, Amy, bought me for my 40th birthday pit tickets. Wow. We're in the pit. You're going to mosh? At, uh, well, we'll see, but I'm calling and going backstage to meet Anthony Kiedis <gasps> after all of these years. Oh, how exciting. So great. I did this little give it away thing on TikTok, and I was like, give me backstage now. Hilarious. You know, he I used to wait tables at Hugo's in Los Angeles when I first moved back to LA after college. And he used to eat there. Sarah's like, I've already met Anthony. And he is so short, but he he (laughs) glows. Like you know that recovered addict turned vegan look where you got the like LA look? The aging, yes, the (laughs) aging of the rocker lifestyle, but Mm -hmm. then you've like put all this glow on top of it. Mm-hmm. He rocks that real hard. I once hooked up with a guy, not because I really cared for his personality, but because he looked really close to one. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I was you like, know, mm. I have a new celebrity crush after watching um, Our Flag Means Death. I, I've I always- love that show. I, I, watch I don't know this show. We, oh, it's very gay. It's, it's so very gay. Love gay. And it starts off gay and then you're like- It's oh, gay pirates. It's like subtle gay. And then it gets oh, gayer love and gayer so and gayer and you gayer even... until it's one of the gayest shows you've seen. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. I'm obsessed with pirates. I'm obsessed with pirates. I have always loved Taika Waititi. Like there's something about him that's really special. He's so sexy in that show. He's so fucking sexy. With a full fucking beard. He's super sexy sexy you know he doesn't look all that different from my girlfriend like they're kind of in the same family yes and so like she was I think really appreciating how much I was crushing out on him and she's like do I need to get a gray beard I'm like I don't know if we're gonna go that far but I'm not mad but I am gonna call you black that I now have a huge crush on Taika Waititi Uh, and that your like long pirate hair can kind of you know, tap into that. I, I, well, there's something about musicians, though, that that yeah. get me mm. more juiced up than acting. Yeah. yeah. And musicians that can act. Ooh, now ooh, you're talking. Like, Drake ooh. is my probably my second. Well, if I had to choose in a room, I don't know. I That would be really, if they were both in a in a room, room. hitting. Mm-hmm. Why not choose? Both I just, them? yeah, I just think you get both. Of them yeah, choose both. Okay, if you, okay, if there's good. you and the two of them in the room, just, just yeah, yeah, you can okay, make it. Okay, happen. you can make it happen. Um, okay. So, uh, what was your first method of masturbation? A teddy bear that I got for Christmas from my mom and dad when I was five. And what did you do with this teddy? bear? We have a lot to say about this. Yeah. What did you do with this teddy bear? I talk about this very openly, uh, because. I have no shame in it. I didn't know what masturbation was. Of course. But I knew when I put my teddy bear's nose, it was a soft, stuffed nose. Uh-huh. Uh, and her name was Barry, by the way. She oh, had a flannel dress and soft nose. And when I would, I would put Barry between my legs and just hump on the nose. The nose got so flat, though, that I had to try to figure out. And my mom was like, what's going on with Barry's nose? <laughs> Why is there white stuff on it? I was like, oh, I got, I've tried to feed her some, some oatmeal, some hot cereal. Is this your kid voice? Yeah, that's I probably, I had a very raspy voice. Is that Wisconsin? Like, oh, I, I do kind of this Wisconsin. My Wisconsin, what's a Wisconsin? 
I want to hear your Wisconsin accent. My mom's like, oh, April, what happened to Gary? What happened? <laughs> He's got a smashed nose. Why? What, what happened what, to her nose? What's all this white stuff on his what's nose all the white now? Stuff? <laughs> and my, my mom calls me and leaves me a message. Sometimes I'll put it on speaker and she'll be like, he, April, it's your mom. <laughs> and I'm like, love it. Oh, Bob. So, Barry, that's Barry. That's what I used. Even when the nose was smashed down, I reshaped the nose. And mm-hmm, naturally, I was very devastated when Barry. A, disappeared between a, a move and still oh. attached. To I uh, so had Penny Delora, and I still have her. What was the cabbage what kind of patch? doll? Is it? Oh, it was a cabbage patch doll. Same story, different hard Boy. head. A hard head. Yeah, wow. she was a hard head. I humper. was older though, um, so you know, maybe if I had found the humping younger, I would have liked the soft. But if you How guys had you? known each other, I was you in could third have, grade. I know we could have. You could have been like, look, use a hard plastic head, and then you don't have to worry about <laughs> your mom noticing the white well, spots in the flat nose. It's <laughs> true, and I will say though, in first grade, and I have talked about this a couple of times, but I started convincing some of my my girl my, my best girlfriend at the time to act out some humping scenes that I had seen with the clothes on in movies that uh, yeah. for instance Fatal Attraction which I wasn't allowed to watch but I did watch it when my mom was out of town <laughs> and I loved the scene and I was like we should try the, what the adults do and we found her mom's vibrator and didn't know what yeah. it was so we were humping each other as well and I hummed a couple other girls too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. up. And I don't know why. And they, it was never feeling bad. We were always, yeah. knew we kept our clothes on. We knew we shouldn't be naked or shouldn't. And, but I always thought that my, my pussy was my no, no. My mom was like, no, 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 you know, don't touch that. Oh so my God. I You're always, no-no. it was like the forbidden zone. Yeah. yeah. So Therefore my, very exciting. Exciting because obviously I love doing what I'm not supposed to. Right. And- Plus it feels amazing. It felt really fucking good. It's yeah, fucking it's a- an uphill uphill battle, parents, if you're trying to tell your kids that it's a no-no zone. Because <laughs> well, they're going to learn well, otherwise. Also teaching quick. kids about pleasure, because we're always teaching, and you both are our mothers, and teaching kids about pleasure, and you're also sex educators, is so different than teaching your kids or adolescents about sex, sex right. protection and, and advocating for... Uh, the whatever abstinence, whatever the fuck they're doing these days, I don't know. Also, I will say that teaching kids about their bodies and how to touch themselves if they want to, and please, you know, I'm not consenting to seeing you touch yourself. So can you go into your own personal zone if you want, you want to do that? And I, uh, I think it's so important and I'm hoping that will shift and it does seem to be shifting. It's still Mm -hmm. not because just the, the lackluster, um, amount of educators that we have in the school system. It also took me a long time to orgasm with a partner because I masturbated so young and I only thought masturbation would create orgasm for me. So that was a huge pleasure hump. (laughs) So that's that's last piece about that. Very good. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. I want to ask you, well, okay, let me, let me preface this by we've already said we've known each other a long time and I think I met you really as I mean Robin did as well as a party girl yeah and what I love I always knew we were gonna have fun if fun factory was taking yeah 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 if April was around we were gonna have a good time yeah and the thing that's so amazing about watching your progression you're about to turn 40 
is that you have retained like all of the great things about partying and like added like all these layers of self-awareness into the mix, right? And so you are like this very self-actualized, super positive light. Like every interaction I have with you, I leave feeling uplifted. And I do think that that's like the qualities of partying and fun. And like some of us like lose that kind of play as we get older. Like everyone I know who consumes psilocybin are really self-actualized, mm. super positive people. But I think some of the first uh, grumblings or conversations that came my way about microdosing mushrooms came from you and Amy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sense. A long time ago. So and now it's like we're a ahead of the curve, right? Everyone's yes. like, I've been microdosing champagne all morning. <laughs> it's like, I don't think it's so. just a mimosa. Settle <laughs> down. <laughs> and how funny that, like, in our culture, alcohol is right. totally socially accepted and it is a downer yeah you know it is actually not something that is particularly uplifting and that's the thing that from the folks that I know who are really regularly engaging with like plant medicine they're like you know this has actually helped me to stop drinking alcohol because alcohol had a really negative impact on my life a quick story though to just reinforce that I had two British friends they're from Cheshire that came out here to Santa Cruz to visit a few years ago and they never had, they'd never done drugs. And I'm using drugs. I'm talking plant medicine drugs. I'm not talking about shooting up or smoking meth because I'm talking about plant medicine. So something that's derived from a plant, talking psilocybin and, and marijuana, if you want to call it Mary Jane. And they, we were out on Halloween and they're from the UK and never been to Santa Cruz before. And they looked around and they were like, at a, we are at a bar, at a party, then a bar. And they're like, it's so weird here, April. Like no one's fighting. Like what the fuck? Wow. what the fuck is wrong with everyone? And I was like, this message brought to you by drugs. Yeah. Not by alcohol. Yeah. Because they're used to bar brawls yeah. and because everyone gets shit faced over there. And that her words. Uh, and she said, pissed, you know, everyone gets right. pissed. And I said, look, it's because a lot of people are smoking weed. They're on mushrooms. I'm on mushrooms right now. Right. <laughs> At yeah. the time it's Halloween. And it, was a, a ding 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 kind of a a light bulb moment for her and she was really intrigued by that so I just wanted to interject by saying yes alcohol kind of can stimulate people in a different way that oh isn't yeah so so like I love how psilocybin and, and I'm not a big weed smoker but I love how plant ingestion and even tobacco can be a plant on some level right but with that it's it does connect you to the planet more and that's why i love mm -hmm. mushrooms so i just wanted to reinforce there with what your you're environmental saying. legal with the, degree <laughs> it's all trees. a thread it's all the um, same thread but i'm just so curious how your relationship with drugs have evolved you know because i think that you came to it in the way that a lot of folks do which is through like useful experimentation. And for some people that kind of escalates and goes down a bad path for other people, they just completely abandon it and leave it behind. And they're like, oh, well, that was just in my twenties. And I've watched you go through this evolution where I'm like, you know, April is super on her path. She's actively engaging as her best self in the world. And I kind think maybe 
the drugs have something to do with it. So I'm just curious how that relationship evolved. Do they have something to do with it? And how much uh, should I be microdosing each day? A hundred percent. I can tell you that. So I, I would say my relationship with substances in general, I, I fucking love to be in control, but I also love to get wild. Like I love roller coasters and, mm-hmm. and churn, you know, draw things that people like jumping out of an airplane, bungee jumping. Like do you like rough things. sex? So I actually do like rough sex and not all the time. I just like the not having to be in so in my head and in so much control mm-hmm. all the time. So yeah. this is what I love to be pushed to the boundary, to the edge of something. Mm-hmm. And my experience, I will one. Okay. So one thing I want to share that I think is really important. And I have actually not talked about this on our, on our show on shameless sex, because we've, we've touched on it a little bit. It just hasn't really fit in. And I feel with, with this episode with you two, it does fit in. And when I can say my life changed in a way where everything sort of was brought to my, my highest self was known and perspective was given to me in a, in a valuable way where I could actually understand myself and love myself a little bit more Mm -hmm. and trust my path was drinking ayahuasca. And there's been a lot of buzz around this, this plant medicine. It's a 2,500 year old medicine from the Amazon, from Peru specifically, where indigenous shamans, tri- tribal leaders uh, and healers would drink the medicine and, and tribe members would come for, the, to, for advice to them. Well, now it's more of this medicine that's available. There's a lot of ceremonies that happen in the United States and it's not legal either. And some people may think it's a drug because it is two different, it's a, it's a root and a leaf that's boiled together for days. And you release DMT, which is the molecule that people release when they die. Mm. So you get visions and it's a ceremony that you're sitting in. And I have had some of the most profound moments where for the first time, I'm not a parent. As I, and as I said, I don't have children. And that is a choice that I have made for myself a long time ago. And that was a choice that I made because I felt like my path was going to be something different and that my maternal, my maternity would be with helping other people in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so my purpose was really vague. And, and I would say I didn't have purpose for a long time. And I felt empty, this emptiness. Mm-hmm. And world travel gave me a lot of, of, of heartfelt um, goodness. And my work did, but it still, I didn't feel like I belonged on the planet. I was like, maybe I'm mm. not, maybe I don't, what am I even doing? I'm not doing anything that it's not, it's not enough. My enoughness, right. Was my worthiness was challenged. And, and I, and I drank this plant medicine for the first time. And it was a three night sit. You sit at night and I had two fucking really intense, terrible experience experiences. I mean, you, you purge, you purge mm-hmm. in ways that, right? And, and I don't know if you both are familiar, maybe you are, maybe mm-hmm. the listeners are as well, but uh, if you're not familiar, you purge in different ways and people talk about shitting themselves. I know Chelsea Handler talked about her experiences. Will Smith has talked about his experiences and other folks out there, Kelly Slater, have all drank this medicine and, and talked about its goodness and also that there is purge and and, and you, you throw up. But my purge, I, I'm such a control freak that I couldn't purge and so it just made me fucking nuts. And the last, I was like, call the, call the ambulance. I'm dying, you know, and it was really intense. And I wanted to run away so much that I I was beside Mm -hmm. myself. So 
the the following day after that, I was really ready to go. I was like, I'm not doing this again. This is fucking cult. You know, I said all of these negative <laughs> mean things like, yeah, you know, by my protective survival layer. And then mm -hmm. I drank the medicine the last night and it was the most profound experience. And I finally, finally, some something inside of me woke wh whatever it was was doing in my system. And I I, I felt purpose. And she's and, and this grandmother uh it was it's it's hard to explain for people that aren't aware of this but it was like another dimension and she told me that i i need to be here i'm going to help save the world and to follow this medicine and follow mm. the work and so that that plant medicine specifically has been and that you have to be completely sober you have to do a dieta before that it's it's not anything that you're going in and smoking weed and then doing this that you're drinking this this ayahuasca tea it's more mm. it's more or less that you are clean, your body can receive it. And then you take the messages that you receive, the downloads, as I call them, into your life. And that has helped even my hot octopus career. They, my, the founders say, they're like, your life really, you've really brought so much more to the table after your, your ayahuasca journey. When you go into the ayahuasca party, I was like, yes, I'm already with yes. And so much more sex, it's given me this creative energy to help flow. And then there's other things that come into play as well. It, with my microdosing stuff. I mean, I microdosed LSD for a long time and and then some macro accidental macros have made me shy mm. away from that for a little while because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to go there again. It's like 15 hours is too long to be It honest. is too long. Yeah. Um so what are you okay. First of all, so DMT comes from ayahuasca because I've heard of that as like a party drug. So oh. but they're different. So DMT so basically when it, when you you, it, you are uh cuz you ingest ayahuasca and what happens is your body releases DMT so you mm. can actually smoke the the DMT molecule um uh dimethylene tryptophan I don't remember don't right. I don't remember uh, exactly what the um uh, what the acronym is I should because I look at it all the time but they're they're your body really it's the same thing that happens when you die it's like the same piece right. and kind of this this really solid thing but yes it is a dmt can be a party drug but it is it's it's very sacred to me and you yeah. have to i i believe it connects me deeper to source and to the the, the energy of of the humans and the plants and animals around me mm -hmm. and i really like that and i'm not a hippie i, I don't consider myself any sort of of hippie or woo or new age person i care about the planet and i care about people and i care about animals and so it's it's not that i'm trying to preach some you know crystals and and burn right. some nag champa i'm just saying this does help me when a dmt releases you do get visuals some people get a lot of visuals i don't really enjoy the visuals as, as much mm -hmm. have you two eaten you've eaten psilocybin or if you don't want to say that you don't have to yes but, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm you get visuals. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of like the movement and stuff, and it depends on how in depth I've gone. One thing that I do feel like happens if I take a certain amount, once you cross a certain threshold, um, is that I feel like I've re-entered a world that I only enter when I'm doing mushrooms. So it's like each time I come back, I'm like, oh, right, this place, you know? And it's, mm -hmm. it, but I do feel like it's this experience of what I, what it seems like toddlers are experiencing where you have no sense of time. You could get, give two shits about time. You have no idea if it's been five minutes or an hour. 
and you can just see the fantastical nature of Mm -hmm. everything. I mean, I think of it as like you realize just how small you are Mm -hmm. in like the right kind of way. But truthfully for me, most of my drug use happened in like really heavy partying contexts. Like I, the very first drug I ever did was acid Mm. when I was 13, which was too soon. Right. And so like my very early teen years, I got heavily involved in like rave culture and dancing And now there's a certain degree to which I have such control issues that mushrooms tend to bring out for me like a internal battle. And I know that there's like some sort of hump that I need to make it over with that. And it totally reflects my, you know, the issues that I run up against in my day to day life as well. That like letting go and releasing, like I don't know what it will take to sort of tap into source in that way. And that's sort of what I was hearing when you were describing your experience with ayahuasca is it is just this like ultimate tapped in Mm. um, state of being. And I don't know if you've watched any of the shows on near-death experiences, but it is something that makes me somewhat unafraid of death. Mm. This experience that people go through where they feel so deeply connected to the love energy that is in the universe. So your description of ayahuasca is is just very intriguing to me. Well, I think that death, I was always really afraid of death. I'm not someone that is looking forward to death, but I do feel like I, in, in some of my experiences with the, uh, the, the, the extracurricular activities that I do sometimes <laughs> and and the things that I try, uh, I have felt like I've died before and I'm not as afraid anymore because I just feel it is just, we are all so one and we are all yeah. are such, this is why the division that happens with humans. And I always yeah. just question why would anyone want to identify as separate from anyone or anything else? Because we all are just, we we're we're human beings and, and you can form your tribes and, and your communities. And I think part of that though, is, is being respectful to other people's traditions and what drives them. And sometimes as long as they're not hurting other people, right. I mean, even if they're sacrificing lambs, I'd be bummed, but if that's their thing, I'm just like, let's all make sure that we're just respecting the cultural elements of humanity and it's shifting hopefully for the better but i think that this the medicines of of especially mushrooms and the ayahuasca the plants there have really helped me understand the different tribes that were on this planet before um we were all here do you think um, that your relationship to plant medicine has opened doors for you. I mean, I think of you as like a pretty intentional manifester. And I wonder if that is connected at all to your relationship with plant medicine. It it has opened doors for me in terms of my creativity and finding my, my artistic side. I feel it clears what I what I have found in the that this practicing with this medicine and doing the work with that medicine is that 
it fuels this deeper side of me, the creative element. And I am, I'm quicker witted. I'm a smarter, I feel like I'm almost the best version of myself. Mm. And then slowly the things trickle in day-to-day life, not being able to do the things that do inspire me. And that slowly goes away and the sparkle is kind of gone, but I a hundred percent feel that doors have opened. Also the doors sometimes that you may not want to look at, or you Mm. may not want to be, um, people with severe trauma, for instance, that I, I, I don't know to what level this is why it's good if you're going to do any of this work even microdosing with there's you can see practitioners that work with ketamine you can see practitioners that work with mdma there's people that work with psilocybin in all of in microdosing we're in a controlled environment what you were saying sarah and and robin maybe you've had the same experiences a lot of times we use these things recreationally mm-hmm. and they're not medicinal in that mm-hmm, sense where mm-hmm. you can have a bad experience your controls taken away and you end up somewhere or in some situation or being mm-hmm. uncomfortable and you feel trapped or caged when you're in these environments and you're doing these to approach some trauma or some past ancestral wounding something that's in your dna which Right, we have generations of 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 death and violence that we all probably need to work through, even if you have a blissful life right now. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a controlled environment with people that know and and it's a facilitator that you feel comfortable with and safe with, you can really work on those parts. And sometimes they're really scary, and yeah. you have to trust. And that's where your meditation practice comes in, your breath work, and being healthy and knowing how that everything has an end, a middle and a beginning and mm. all of it will, it will, it, it will end. So you have to trust that. And that's something that's carried me through any tough situation. And I am a powerful manifester because I, I trust what's happening. Even when it's scary, I trust. Mm. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to resist. I'm going to drop in. I'm going to flow. I'm going to breathe when it gets hard. Even if it feels like my, my, I'm choking or, or I can't overcome this pain in my stomach or there's so many different scenarios and not even within the medicine, within fucking life when I'm um, right. feeling scared about situations. Breathe, trust, say some positive affirmations and fucking know that like the universe has got you, okay? Okay, so with the, um, with the medicine, are you doing this as like kind of event types of things? Like you do it regularly in a controlled way, in a medicinal way, or are you, or doing both? Are you also microdosing on a daily basis? Uh, mushrooms are something that the accessibility is there. And I don't do anything on a daily basis per se, because the capacity sometimes for me, because we're always changing and evolving. I, I sometimes don't get what I want from mushrooms and it, it, gets me in my headspace because I'm a heady human as it is. And I'll get to in my head and I won't be as, as, as sharp as I want to, because I'm too in my head. Mm. So that's more, I, I do the, the psilocybin stuff. Um, kind of when I know that I don't have to be in, uh, when I'm in a safe place, what, right. even if I'm doing anything out in, in nature, I, I, I will totally eat mushrooms or even if I'm doing something active like snowboarding I love eating mushrooms mm-hmm. but if I have to work or do like a sales thing fuck no I'm not gonna like let me eat some mushrooms because I'm like right <laughs> my head about what everyone else's process is ayahuasca is something that you have to be invited into because of the legalities involved mm-hmm. 
And it it's not something that is completely acceptable by modern society. And it's probably frowned upon in a lot of a lot of people that are in that work might be like, why is she talking about this? And because I wouldn't text someone about that, right? Or like wonder. So it is, it's a retreat. I call it a retreat. Most people uh, call it a, a retreat, meditation retreat. And it is always in a completely controlled environment. There's a document that goes out about what you need to eat, what you can't eat, what you can't do and what you should be doing. And you have to limit your media. You have to limit your screen time. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pre-planned. And I, I try to make it at least four times a year. Mm. There's been times 2020 that I couldn't because of the, the pandemic and, and health concerns for people. And then there's been times where I've drank six times a year and each sit is usually two to three days. So each that's each session. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for your body, but you come out feeling so sparkly. I always recommend you, you, you shouldn't be getting access to ayahuasca because it has to come from a place where they bless the medicine. And it's, it's mm -hmm. not something that you have in your refrigerator. Right. And you want someone that knows what they're doing, that has the capacity to hold you and uh, take care of you in the hours of the, the darkness. And that's why it's good to drink with people that you know and with a facilitator. And there's ancient songs that are shared that help mm -hmm. carry you through your journey. Mm -hmm. But I would never, in, in my experience at this point in my life, healer medicine, I would not microdose on my own day to day. It's just not, it's, I, I believe it's not designed for that. I think it's more of an intentional thing where you are sitting and you're in an environment that you feel comfortable with. You're in your nest. And you have people around you, even a small group that you trust and, and can share the experience with and the energy with. Do you use substances at all in like, does sex factor into this for you? Like, do you use substances with sex? Do you use sex for magic making or manifestation? Or are these really kind of separate? Like, do you think of things existing as, in like silos in your life? Or does it all kind of blend together? I would say it's a, that's a good question, Sarah. And by the way, I wanted to say something to you earlier too. Thank you for all the compliments because my love language is, is well, my first and primary love language is words of affirmation. And, <laughs> and I was like sitting here like, oh my God, you made me so happy. It's so Showering you with affirmation. Yeah, well, you are valid and beautiful. <laughs> I'm glad awesome. I can give some of it back. <laughs> and I definitely want to give you both such gratitude for all of this work too. And coming back to that question with sex, my relationship with sex has been so complicated over the mm. years. And I, as I mentioned earlier, masturbation for me was the only way I, I learned how to orgasm because of it, it was the only thing that I understood for the release. And when I'd be with a partner, and whether it was a vulva owner or a penis owning partner, I'd always be concerned about them and waiting for them to orgasm. Mm. And then from there, I'd be like, okay, cool. And then sometimes I'd go and masturbate by myself, right. like in, in, you know, in yeah. a closed, quiet space because I didn't know. And so that's evolved. I also, I had, I took birth control for a long time. My sex mm. drive was really, it would, it shifted. Um, and so I compartmentalized sex as just the thing I had to kind of do sometimes in a partnership, right? Mm -hmm. Which was shitty. Then I, I evolved no more hormones in my body that I was ingesting, which has helped my sex drive come back because I've always been a really sexual person. And so with, with different substances, sometimes the substances really help me drop into the situation and the sexual experience. But other times it 
I won't get what I thought I was going to get where I'm super turned on and horny. And then I, I start foreplay or the, the sexy time. And, and I'm like, this isn't really, I'm kind of more in my head than I want to be get out of the head. And then I go get out of the head, get out of the head. And then I get more in the head. (laughs) And then there's other times where it has enhanced my experience to the next level of really mind blowing sex where I never thought that my body with another person's body could, could be that aligned. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I won't, I won't, I, I don't enjoy things, topical things for my body that have drugs, like nummy things or even Mm. cannabis stuff. For some reason I've, I've tried, I'm not going to, I never say never to things, but I, so I, I, I mean, I don't know. Like I know people like THC products on their bits, which I, I could see what, why it's cool, but I would never use lidocaine or, or those. Mm. Kind of, I, I don't mm. know if that's a drug though. Is lidocane a drug? No. Yeah. I think oh, it's considered agent. a drug. Yeah. Num- okay. I would never use that. I want to feel the things. So I wouldn't desensitize, but I have had really cool sex on various different kinds of drugs. And actually ayahuasca, you're not supposed to have any sex, even with the self at least three days before, three days after. Mm. But I've had sex with my partner after a ceremony and it's fucking like, <laughs> it's really good. I was like, whoa, this was insane. That, that's so, great. Because you're both just so tapped in. You're just tapped in and it's just, yeah. you're tapped into your body and the environment and the person and you just are so, your senses are heightened and it's incredible. It's incredible what the body is capable of under yeah, I mean, certain circumstances. I, we've talked about this, but I think for me, like the like the experience of being physically intimate with another person. I do think that there's a double-edged sword to Mm -hmm. mutuality, which I'm kind of hearing come out from some of your experiences, but sometimes there's that tapping in that happens for me with sex with a partner, which like I can kind of get there on my own, but it's not the same kind of like energy combustion that all of a sudden I'm like, I'm my best self and you're your best self and everything is glowing and the colors are brighter and so you know I sometimes I wonder if like sex might be my drug of choice yeah 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 so I I want to ask you one last thing what is your specific method of manifestation Mm. how do you go about manifesting in you know or is it just like letting go and trusting is it just the trust no, definitely, definitely. That's a piece of it. In my experience, it, so I, I choose a couple of different modalities that have helped inspire my life to what it is today. Writing things down for me mm-hmm. is very powerful and writing them in a way that I have already achieved or earned or have the things mm-hmm. in my life. And mm-hmm. that is not necessarily material things. I'm speaking to even even things that are like, may I have self-love? I will have self-love. I have self-love. And mantras that you can create for yourself in a way that inspire the law of attraction to happen, I really, truly believe in negative self-talk, negative talk about others, gossip, Mm. those types of things, or saying, I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. I don't want to be late. What happens if you are late? So say, I'm going to be on time. I'm going to be on time. Or that has really, it actually has worked for me. And the self-talk thing about what goes on, and it's, I'm talking about your internal dialogue as well. 
not what you say to yourself when you're by yourself at the grocery store and you're trying to find the right ketchup. It's when you're on your own and what you say about yourself. And I am my biggest critic. I am hard on myself and I, I want to piss excellence a lot of times, right? <laughs> and I always wonder, am I ever going to be good enough for myself? And the amount that you can feel love and feel worthy is the amount that you can feel that on your own. Mm -hmm. Then other people will be able to show up for you in the ways that you are able to absorb. And so writing these things down has really helped me because I can refer back to them. And you have to also understand in a way for, and for me, I love instant gratification. We're in this age where everything needs to happen now, right? It's right. the information highway and everything has to be as quick as a light switch. And the thing is manifestation and really believing that you have these things and that they will happen and they are happening. They take time and Gregorian time is really hard to decipher because we, we, we can see it flowing and, and, and the years passing and the things that you've wanted haven't happened yet. You have to trust, you have to keep coming back to those things and understand. I said from a time I was six years old that I wanted to be a published author mm. and I always, I, and I knew it wasn't going to be in a way that I would write a book and send it off. I knew it was going to be this deal and it was going to come. And I didn't know when, but I just trusted. And there's been so many other things in my life that I've trusted. And then I do sometimes I get discouraged. I get negative. I'm like, nothing's happening for me right now that I want to happen. Like what the fuck? Like, so always know that the power of the power of, of, of yourself your unique ability with your powerful brain that's rocking inside of the head that you have, no matter what your challenges may be, that you do have the power within you to have the right things happen. And you just have to trust and believe and things will fall into place. And I know that sounds fucking wooey. Or like church. <laughs> sounds like and you're a hippie to me. I, know, right? <laughs> I stroke my crystals every night and that's what happens. I got crystals in my bra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love crystals. Don't get me Whoa. wrong, by the way. Yeah. yeah. No, everybody loves I a mean, chakra. that is very inspiring. Yeah. And I really appreciate your perspective on that. And it's just very authentic. And I also just really appreciate this time that you've spent with us. Thank you for devoting this time. I we know you have a lot of drugs to do, but that you chose to spend this time with us is very meaningful. Uh, well, I wouldn't have chosen to talk about this particular topic with any other humans because I trust both of you immensely and feel comfortable enough to share this with you and with you both and your and your listeners and and if someone's judged Judy out there and wants to judge my life, that's okay. You're entitled to it. And I hope that you're living a beautiful life and the life that you want to live. And if you don't want a microdose, don't fuck a microdose. If you want a microdose on, on filet mignon, fucking <laughs> microdose on filet mignon, okay? Well, I like microdosing on a little April sometimes. I know, so right? I appreciate it <laughs> so much. And no judgment, of course. I'm going to be contacting you after the show <laughs> for a few numbers. Those microdosed uh, mushrooms are nice. Uh, yes, I don't sell those, everyone. So FYI, they're not wholesale. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> to Robin, yes, those are a gift. So. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, April. It was a true pleasure. It was a pleasure to do. You, wait, do you want me to do any of my uh, how to find things? 
Yes, oh, please. Yeah, please. See, you're so, the professional. I sometimes. Uh, so for everyone out there listening, thank you for uh, being with us today. This was really fun. And I have the podcast that we're talking about, Shameless Sex. It's anywhere podcasts are listened to. And uh, we can be found at Shameless Sex Podcast and IG and TikTok, Shameless Sex. And it's free. Free, free, free. And you can yeah. check out all, we have 300 plus episodes at this point. So there's bound to be something that is uh striking to you listeners out there and you can find me i don't care if you find me i'm there's only two april lamperts <laughs> on social media but if you want to check out my shit i post about once a year it's at april <laughs> lampert that's it thank you so and much i will tell you that if you search sex oh. in podcasts I believe that shameless sex is in the top five, maybe even the we're top number three. We're number two to number yeah. four. So we either go yeah. after Dan Savage. It's great. Gave, Dan Savage gave us a shout out. By nice. The way. Uh, that he loved your big time. Big that time was, now. It was really cool. And then, uh, yeah, we usually go between number two and number three. We've, yeah. Uh, so, yes. Thank you. That's it. Just in the in the sexuality. So we're we're pretty stoked, man. So keep. Yeah. Keep checking us out and check out Hot Octopus. It has two S's on the end. That's uh, <laughs> our sex positive, the company. I am the VP of sales mostly, but do a lot of other shit. But you can check out all of our products too at Hot Octopus. I love a hot octopus. Oh, me Wrap too. it around your dick. That's, that's my Bond name. I'm a hot octopus. <laughs> all right, dude. Thanks Thank so much. You. We'll see you soon. Wow, Sarah, April is just this shining energy. It's so inspiring just to hear her talk about her path. I feel really motivated. How do you carve out your unique place in the world? Like that's something that I feel like she models. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me, kind of going back to the beginning of the interview, so, which I found really interesting, and I think a lot about the work that we're trying to do around demystifying sexuality and how, like, our sexuality is in conversation with our whole identity was her talking about the significance of her solo play practice. Right. And also just that for her, like, solo play and partner play were just completely unintegrated and I think that that's such a common experience particular well for lots of people but I think particularly for straight women oh yeah I hard relate to that I I have had that experience and then also just being in the process of deconstructing my sexual presence in the world you know, you you exist as a woman in the world where you are sexualized, whether or not you're trying to be sexy. And then that need to please the male gaze in our culture, straight culture, sexuality is not necessarily about a woman's pleasure. It's about how desirable is she to a man. And I have framed my sexuality largely around that until recently I realized you know a lot of my fantasies are how attractive am I to him how turned on is he by me and I'm trying to re-engage mm. within that relationship with my partner around like how much pleasure am I getting from this how can I you know what feels good to me rather than how desirable I can be but it infiltrates every part of 
our lives, whether or not you're trying to engage in that. Yep. And on another note, though, I will say I was really inspired by some of the manifestation Mm -hmm. stuff that April was talking about. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when we're talking about intentionality. Yes. And I know that we talked a lot about substances and plant medicine. Mm-hmm. So obviously I want to give you an opportunity to to speak to that if, you know, any of that lands differently for you now after we've recorded. But I think there's a through line with April and what she was sharing that like a lot of what she's doing is with intention. Yes. So it's like, I think that that line of medicine versus, you know, taking something to like dull the senses. Yes. It it really can be about the the intention that you put into it. Yes. And it, it seems like she's doing that kind of across the board, whether it's like through her, you know, writing things down and being really clear about what she's trying to bring into her life. She's also integrating plant medicine in that way. And I was like, wow, this is just, there's so many different ways to live. And I was really inspired by a lot of the things she was sharing. Yeah, I I love that. I've done this in the past where I've written things down and then put them away. And then much time Mm. passes and then I notice that, oh, those things came true. I actually did that with Max where I wrote down all of the things that I Mm -hmm. wanted in a partner And then I put it away. And then many years, I think it was when I was moving in with him and I was packing up, I found it. And I was like, oh, okay. That's where it came from. Like it actually happened. And I believe it gets into your subconscious or your core or whatever. For me to see it written down, it kind of sets it into my, my brain. But it makes me feel so inspired to get much more intentional And also what she was talking about with getting connected, you know, I'm sober right now. I mean, I'm only a few days into it and I'm like, oh, I'm sober. But, you know, medicines have different times. Sometimes we're using medicines and then they, they are healing for us and then we can start to abuse them. And I think that's what happened to me with marijuana. I have a love for mushrooms. I don't know that I would be against using mushrooms at this point in my life still through in the sobriety because it has a different kind of feel and clarity. Every time that I have done mushrooms, I always feel like I'm coming back into the same space. I like, as I come up, I'm like, oh, I remember this place. Like coming back to yourself or there's like a... It feels like a storyline that I'm continuing it's almost like another oh. episode of that mushroom trip that I'm like, right, we're back in this story. But also it provides a clarity to me where I realize like, oh, everything, I can see everything's on the same level. Everything is full of a magical vibrating energy. It's all magical. We are magical. We are, we are, why are we here? We, we don't know, but our significance and the significance of a rock is interconnected. Yeah, the interconnectedness, I think, is definitely something with psychedelics that, that or the world that psychedelics open up is this portal to a level of understanding of like this universal love mm-hmm. that is available. And 
I mean, I don't know. For me, I also have had some experiences with psychedelics where like anything that is not working in my life becomes really glaringly apparent. And then that becomes like a very difficult time that I have had through the trip or whatever you want to call it through the experience where it's like the things that don't work are screaming at you. But it does often feel like it's much more in the service of like my higher good rather than a substance like wine, which is my substance (laughs) of choice, which just sometimes feels like a Band-Aid that like helps me get through, like decompress from a long day, which when I've gone through periods of not drinking, I find other things to do that with, like exercise or stretching or a bath. And I think that with certain substances, what I find is it's like the quick, like when I used to smoke cigarettes, right? be like, oh, I can channel this stress out of my body just by going and having a quick cigarette. Right. But it's not necessarily then that I'm like actually facing the thing that I'm dealing with. It's just like, how do I get it out of me? How do I get it where I don't really have to deal with it or face it? And so it is so interesting, like all of the different ways we can be in like a very complicated relationship with these substances that like alter our chemistry, alter our mindset. I find it really interesting kind of how April's engaging with these plant medicines, but that it's also, I think, part like what I was sort of taking away from what she was saying is that it's part of like kind of a holistic plan or um, that there's it fit, it's a piece of the puzzle that's fitting in with these larger um, practices that she engages with. Yeah. And that's the thing is that like you can get this sense of connectedness or this sense of openness, whether it's for you through plant medicine, for other folks, it's going to be through prayer right, or yoga or that clarity that comes on a long run or meditating in nature. I think that there's so many different ways that people achieve this sense of being in flow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so about about intentionality. I feel like it all comes back to that. What is this medicine doing for me? I realized with what my habits had formed into was what started as like, this is like a fun thing that people, young people do. But it was also always an escape and numbing and like you said, a Band-Aid. And Mm -hmm. I think I've really never totally addressed the things that I was trying to put that That Band-Aid on. Now I feel like for the first time with substances, I am being intentional because even though I've had these great enlightening mushroom trips, point of it was to check out and have a good time and kind of ignore the world (laughs) and like spend, have fun giggles and things. Now I just, I really want to get myself on a track. I feel so inspired by April. Because I do have a heart center leading me in a certain direction. And 
I also have habits that directly stop me from going on that path. And I feel so inspired to Mm -hmm. really go on Mm -hmm. my path and go forward because I think Mm -hmm. I might actually have some really cool things that I can offer the world and myself, you know? (laughs) I love that. I mean, as we're talking, there's one other thing that is coming to mind because we keep talking about intentions and intentionality. And I've gotten to a place with all my classes now that I set an intent or have folks set an intention at the start of the class Mm -hmm. for like, you know, why are you here? Like be intent, like think about what you really want to get out of this experience. And then that really, I think, guides the receiving of the information or the practices that I share in my classes. And, but it's funny whenever I go back to teaching a class, I'm like, gosh, I don't do this a whole lot in my daily practices of just being like, oh, the power of intention setting. And particularly with psychedelics, like there's a concept of set and setting, like as psychedelics are being adapted into more like mental health services that one of the cornerstones is that, you know, the medicine can function best when you are intentional about the context that you're creating around this experience that someone's going to have. And medicinally, you're probably only doing psychedelics maybe two, three times, maybe just once. Mm -hmm. Like it's not necessarily this thing that you're doing recreationally, right? right? Where you are very much like, okay, I am going into this in a way where I am really clear about what I'm asking the medicine for. I'm in a relationship with the medicine and that that is where a lot of the therapeutic work, like that container that is set through the intention setting is where like the therapeutic work can happen. And I think that, like I was saying earlier, like we can do this in so many different areas of our lives. Like it doesn't have to be with substances or anything like really complicated tools. Like we can do that with ourselves and just like in my daily yoga practice, like this is my intention that I'm going into this with, like in this meal that I'm having with my family or whatever, you know? And you know what, Sarah, I'm glad you brought up meals because I think that now I'm inspired that when I make meals, particularly for myself, like when I make meals for my kids, I want to make something that they'll eat and also that will be (laughs) nutritious, right? My intention with this meal is that it makes it into your belly. (laughs) Yes, and that it will serve you in some way. And I have never done that with myself. My intention and certain intention with food has always been, how can I stop? Get it out of the way. Yeah. How can I get this out of the way so I can stop being hungry and get back to what I want to do? And I need, I really want to, I'm going to make a pact with myself right now to set intentions around my own food of this is for my own personal benefit and love to myself. And just change the dynamic with what's the whole point of all of this? Why am I doing this? You know, and I think that's what led to me um, getting sober, at least for now. How is it serving me? What's the point of me doing this? What, where am I going? And I don't know. Sarah, this is just a very 
inspiring interview. I am I'm ready to go on my path. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good timing, I think, yeah. too. There was one misstatement that I made in the last episode that made me cringe when I listened to it that I wanted to acknowledge and call out. I was sharing about the history of harvest festivals and the migration from Asia. And I said, across the world, the indigenous folks migrated from Asia. And that is not accurate at all. The migration to North America happened primarily (laughs) from Asia. And so I think in the moment I might have even realized it came out incorrectly. And then I don't know how I, I I glossed over it. It's not accurate. I know that. And I want to just call it out. Oh, that's nice, Sarah. I appreciate your correction because we're all going to misspeak and, uh, you know. And also, congratulations. We are halfway done with season one of Fuck Yeah. I hope you all are enjoying it. I feel like we're hitting a good stride. I feel so good about doing this with you, Sarah, and I hope it's affecting people in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, me too. And please, if you have questions, feedback, guests that you would like to see on the podcast, some plant medicine experiences you want to share with us, some food practices you have, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Fyapod at gmail.com. You can find us at fuckyapod on Instagram and TikTok and on the interwebs at fuckyapod.com. We want to hear from you. We want to see you on the internet. Yeah. We'd like to do a a question and answer episode soon. So please yes. send them in. Yes, yes. We will. Yeah, before the end of the season for sure. Yeah. We'd love to include you in that. We'd love to hear from you. So yeah, on that note, bye. Um, bye. bye. Knocking them out of the park. Fuck Yeah! Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Sarah Tom Chesson, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is produced and performed by She, Her, Sir. You can find out more about what we're up to at fuckyeahpod.com or reach out directly at fyapod at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the pod, give us a hand. Rate review, subscribe, wherever you listen, and make sure to share it with a few friends. Thanks so much for tuning in.